on the left side. We're not weak on the left side. It's not the problem. What is the problem? I don't need you up on my face all the time. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. Brother, don't you know me? And your mama went out on her town last night. <laughs> what did you say? What happened to you? Man, I just gave your mama a piggyback ride, and she weighs twice as much as I do. <laughs> going on. We want to let you know we're going to warm up a little different tonight. We are we're going to change the way we run. They rule their universe with absolute power. We're going to change the way we block. Well, that football field out there tonight, that's our universe. We're going to change the way we win. We don't let anything, nothing, come between us. We are changed. but you can't fake teams. You can't have a real imitation. It just doesn't work. Sometimes you see on TV these real imitations, but it just, it just does not work. Either it's a team, either it's the thing, or it is not. And as we get into getting off uh, Thanksgiving and getting into more holidays, you know, we just we just can't fake uh, even family. We show up at our family, and yes, they're family, but there's too much tension in the air. We can't fake closeness. Eventually, it comes out. Eventually, when we're faking and when it's real imitation, uh, people can act like this. That's a Christmas And it's getting redder. Uh, you're not getting the garage what space. You did no, my oh, I'm doing the parking. Ross, oh, you want to help me? They're not sleeping in my room. They're going crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'll give Audrey a quarter, too, Audrey. I'm going to park my car in the garage. This is what Christmas is all about. I'll uh, park the cars and check the luggage, and uh, yeah, I'll be outside for the season. You can't fake it. And if you don't recognize any of those personalities, 
I hate to say it, you might have to give birth to one of your own. You can't do it. We've been talking about core values and the idea that there are some principles for life. For a teen, for the Titans, they had some principles they just had to keep. And, you know, we as a church have five core values. Uh, You can come up with how many you want. But a core value is this. The core values are rooted beliefs that a person or organization operates by. They are the principal perspectives that guide a person or an organization's behavior with others. And for us as a church family, we've covered four so far. We're wrapping the last one up today. And really, core values are the idea of how do we live. And what's the danger is that we have core values, but don't live them. We have principles. We have guidelines. Uh, Someone comes in to talk to us about life, and we explain how they should navigate a difficult situation. But then when we're in the same difficult situation, all those principles, all those core values go out the window. We got to live what we claim. We need to understand that. There are unsaid core values. We've talked about that. Then there are stated core values. And one of our core values, it starts with the idea, or our last one we're talking about, is we build authentic. That means we have to work very hard at staying away from real imitation. Yet, especially those of us who are Christ followers, are excellent at real imitation. We can show up on a Sunday like this, go through all the motions, smile, sing, greet people, and that is polite, but deep down inside, we're in another time zone, in another place, because it isn't real. Maybe we're here because we've been promised a delicious lunch afterwards or whatever, And it's not real. Now, this is a good starting point to unpack that, to see if it is real, if God is even possible, if it's possible to have a personal relationship with God. That's wonderful if you're here. But for those of us who have uh, really said yes or come to terms with that or believe and it hasn't moved into our hearts, we're kind of functioning as a real imitation. And someday that gets all sorted out. In one of our series, we talked about the emphasis on sports and Uh, I think the figure was like .03 something something that uh, any of us uh, would ever make it into some kind of professional sport. Uh, And the quote was, but we'll all, we'll all 100% have to face Jesus someday. And that's going to either be a delight, welcome home, or not so much. So this idea of real imitation or fake is so, so important. And we can have all the elements of fake and not be real. So when we say authentic, we mean real. Growing in that direction, sometimes we've got to work out our salvation, integrate what it means to be a Christ follower. That's called growth. All of us are in that place. All of us are growing. If you've stopped growing, you need to ask what is wrong because non-growing things aren't alive. And you want to be alive in your faith. So this is our core value. We build authentic community. We regularly connect with other Christ followers through genuine and mutual expressions of knowing, loving, and serving. If you're a Christ follower, 
you probably have a good idea of what each of those words mean, the significance of them. Mutual expression, knowing, loving, serving. We don't have to unpack that because if you've even been around church a little bit, you know those things. Even outside of church, you know what it means to be serving and loving and to express that. So when we talk about genuine, there gets to be this place where we need to make sure that we really are representing faith well, that we're doing it. You know, we, we can do these fake things. Uh, um, every once in a while, people try to pan off uh, sweet potatoes as pumpkin or butternut squash. And they, they take great delight in getting me to eat it and then saying, oh, that was good. And then going, ha, that was sweet potato. I hate sweet potato. And on this thing goes on. But, you know, you know to, to hold that idea of what's real, what is true. Paul writes to the church at Philippians and starts unpacking how genuine community is supposed to function. How we are to not be um, just uh, disengaged with what we claim versus what we say. We read in Philippians 2.1, look at how much encouragement you have found in your relationship with Jesus. It says the anointed one in one of those translations. But the idea of your relationship with Jesus. Are you encouraged in your relationship with Jesus? Yes, there are dry times, but most of the time we ought to be moving towards encouragement, being satisfied. You are filled to overflowing with comforting love. And if you're overflowing, you're loving around those people around you. If you tend not to be doing that action, if that behavior doesn't drip from the pores of your skin, there's, there's, there's a misfire there. Something's up. Because Paul says this is the way we ought to be functioning. And we're going to see at the Church of Philippi, not everyone was functioning that way. Paul doesn't call them out and say they're not Christ followers. He says they're not living what they're supposed to be living you have received a deepening friendship with the holy spirit and have felt his tender affection and nurture do you have a deepening friendship with the spirit doesn't mean you get a special ounce of it it just means you're closer to him you're more responsive to him when he taps on your heart do you recognize it and do you respond to it? Does it overflow with affection and mercy? That doesn't mean anything goes, but it means our approach, our contact with others who might be stumbling a little bit or we might disagree with a little bit. Do we have affection and mercy or do we come with the idea just to get after them because they're not lining up with the way we want them to line up? So, Paul says, <coughs> I'm asking you, agree with each other. Love each other with deep spirit, as deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. That's manipulation. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. In your sphere of influence, do people look at you as someone that helps them get ahead or do we use others so we get ahead in our families 
your spouse. Is that the atmosphere? We're helping each other. I'm helping Cindy get ahead. She's helping me get ahead. We don't keep track of all that. Our first ministry, if you want to say that, is with our family, with our wife. And then it overflows to our kids. Wife-centered, spouse-centered. And then that love overflows to the kids. I've told you this before. My girls were shocked when I told them specifically when they were trying to, like, divide Cindy and I against each other a little bit. Believe it or not, they every once in a while tried to do that. I'm sure you kids don't do that. Try to get us to do something else. And I said, I love your mother more than I love you. <gasps> I'm going to be married to her, in theory, for 30 or 40 years. Once you're out of the house, I know where my bread's buttered. So I'm not getting swayed by you. She could say, the sky is green, and I'm going to go with it because I'm married to her. I'm, we're working together. Couple first, then it spills over to your kids. If you love your spouse, that, that changes everything. Don't be, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. Pretty clear what Paul is getting at. So if we're going to be not genuine imitation, if we're going to uh, really have authentic community in our lives, in the life of our church, we need to realize that we can't be fully present with others unless we're present with God. So how does all that work? You heard Holy Spirit. You heard walking with God. It's not going to happen. So if you and I are playing games with our faith, if we're not into it, I think someone talked about, I don't know if it was in, um, they were doing a little devotional before I uh, started practicing this morning, or one of the, the folks said it, or Sue might have said it in her prayer, Kevin, but, but this idea of, of growing daily, regularly, not just a Sunday thing, not a Bible read once a week, but you're invested in walking with God. So if you want to have authentic community, I'm going to say as a Christ follower, you have to have a relationship with God. And it's got to be growing. When there's a hiccup in our relationship with God, it affects our relationship with others. And the flip side of this should be said we can't be fully present with God unless we're present with others. It works both ways, and you're going to say, what do you mean by that? You're going to see this as we move down. In your relationships, in your life together, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like that statement. Because Jesus was always looking to serve others. I like to be served every once in a while. I kind of milked the leg thing a little bit when I was in my chair, and Cindy was very concerned about me injuring it more, so can I have a Coke? Oh, yeah, sure, and she could hold on to it. And I think it's time to hurt this leg so I can keep driving. But anyway, let his attitude become your motivation. Having his mindset, seeing how Christ functions. I hope uh, you're going to figure out how to read through the Christmas story. You can use version, Right Now Media. It's all right there in your program, how to get to these access, and really try to focus on see how Jesus came into the world, the response, all of that, so you get to see who Jesus is. And I encourage you regularly, once a year, to read 
all four of the first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels. So you get a picture of who Jesus is. You see who he is. And I, I do this basically yearly, and um, new dimensions leap off the page of how I should interact with my world. You can't let his attitude become your motivation when you don't really know what Jesus' attitude is. Peter says this, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. The flip side of that is, when you're not behaving the way Peter just said, there's a little bit of a disconnect between our prayers. In James, we're told that uh, if our relationship with our spouse is not right, our prayers kind of have a hiccup. Because if we love God, we should love those closest to us. Doesn't mean we always get along. Doesn't mean we always agree. Doesn't mean everything's rosy all the time. But it needs to be moving in a healthy way. And uh, this is strong, but when your relationships are bad, God, through Peter, calls it evil. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's pretty heavy. I am being evil when I'm being self-centered. And God doesn't go, that a boy. He's not happy with it. Fortunately, he's patient. But sometimes I can tell the bottom has dropped out of some part of my life to get my attention. Because I haven't been authentic in my relationship with others in God. And you have to have authentic with God and authentic with others, and they need to be going simultaneously. You have a blind spot in relationships. They're not authentic. The same goes, Peter says this too, the same goes for your husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them. Delight in them. As a wife, they lack some of your advantages. Can't stand when people overplay these concepts. Husband and wife have same values, different roles. Absolutely, we don't have time to go into that. But they don't have all the same advantages as you. And shame on us when we take advantage of people that don't have advantage. In the workplace, if you're a boss and you take advantage of a sub-employee, you get in trouble. Sometimes you, you, you get in big, big trouble. So as Christ followers, children, anyone that you have an advantage over, we are not to pull that lever and, 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 and get our way for it. Now, it's different when we're trying to guide somebody. Again, there's right and wrong and, and all of that. But when you use your advantage, your power that God has given you to take from somebody else, that's, that's wrong. That's evil. Lack some of your advantages, but in this new life of God's grace, you are equal. Treat your wives then as equals as, so your prayers don't run around. And one of the places that we become this fake, this real imitation in our relationships and our 
our relationships are not authentic. And, you know, on a Sunday morning, we all come together pretty well, look pretty good. Most of us smell pretty good. You know, we're here and all this kind of stuff. The ride to church could have been horrible. You just don't know. Uh, again, never look at a family. Never look at my family. Never go, oh, that's so wonderful. That's happening. Their things must be perfect there. They are absolutely not perfect. Uh, you know, hopefully they're moving in the right direction. Uh, if you knew the backstory on every person around here, there's a lot of heartache. There was a lot of, of difficulty to get to this even this day. So understand that. But this idea of, of picking on people, of, in a sense, discovering shortcomings. Because when you and I are just after people's shortcomings, we need to realize that no one is perfect. And we need to understand that. And we, we can't use that and get in there and, and kind of just get on them and ride them and nip them at their heels. That doesn't mean you let things go. But there's, there's, there's balance and it lives in tension and the spirit helps you lead. But you have to understand that anyone can find someone's shortcomings. No one is perfect. And if you think you are, you are not known. If no one knows you have shortcomings, nobody knows you. Some of us live such guarded lives because we've been burnt, because we've been hurt, that we don't let anyone in. And no one sees the underbelly of our life. Now, hopefully not everybody on the planet sees the underbelly of your life, but you ought to have some close people that can see the underbelly of your life. I have a few men friends, because I don't throw this on my wife. That's totally unfair. I'm supposed to guide and set the tone in my house. Yes, she can point things out, but I don't want her to be my like accountability partner, like the sole one. That, that's, well, my accountability partner didn't say anything about that, and, oh, let's stick that on my wife. Sorry, don't do that. So there's few men, and, and we've talked about this before, you have to be honest with these people so they see your life because you can present your life in a way to get the answer you want. So if no one knows, if no one says, hey, Dave, you know, I see you going in this direction. You know, you've got a weakness in this area. You, the last time that happened, you didn't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. If I don't have anyone who is aware of that, then nobody really knows me. Now, when it comes to discovering shortcomings, no one is perfect, and, and we can't avoid it to some degree. People, there are people that are like shortcome finders. They like can sniff it out. You know that person? Uh, everything can go perfect. You can play a game perfectly. You can redecorate your house perfectly. You can, uh, I don't know, you can write a perfect research paper. You can you know, trim a bush. You can do whatever and make a delicious meal, whatever it is. And there's somebody out there like Rick. Hallelujah. You deserve a home like this to spend Christmas in. It's a beaut, Clark. It's a beaut. You taught me everything I know about exterior illumination. Thank you. Thank you. Russ, Audrey. 
dear Francis. I hope this adds to your enjoyment of the holidays. Oh, it's just wonderful. Arthur. Art. Dad. Thanks for being here. The little lights are not twinkling. I know, Art, and thanks for noticing. Don't be art. There's people that are going to always approve your shortcomings. Put a little pressure on when we like to preach tonight. That's what it's supposed to look like. And uh, Ben and others and Megan have done a lot of work on this. So um, if it lights like that, I'm going to say, yeah, we did a great job. Or I'm going to say, Ben, what happened? But anyway. <clears throat> to avoid criticism, do nothing. Say nothing, be nothing. The flip side, if you're on the move, you see that with Paul's life, Jesus' life, you're going to take some heat. You got to understand that. That if you do something, if you say something, if you're trying to be someone, be who God has made you to be, you're going to take heat for that. John the Baptist and Jesus took heat for that. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, John came fasting, and they called him crazy. If I came, I came feasting, and they called me a lunch. I'm a friend of the riffraff. Opinion polls don't count for much, do they? But God's wisdom will be visible, seen living in those who embrace it. Doesn't mean that you ignore what other people say. But you need to understand that people are critical. Uh, we've got that down as a society. Uh, immediately when something good is happening, we see something bad happening. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. And this gets into this tension of, of fake flattery. So there is a time where someone needs to speak into our lives. We've kind of talked about that. And a wise person. And when, when they talk about a, a fool, you have to remember, a fool in the Older Testament isn't someone that didn't have capacity for thinking. It, was, it, it wasn't even someone who just did foolish things, which it includes that. But it was the person that morally knew what was right and chose not to do it. So when you and I know how God wants us to behave, and we don't do it, we are playing the role of the fool. That's foolish. So when you're reading in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and you see the word fool, just don't think it's someone who just didn't get it or was being silly or whatever. It's a lot of times someone who understands and chooses to turn their back towards God. And we can do that in big ways. We can do that in little ways. God tells me to give the advantage to my wife and serve her, and I notice there's some dishes in the dish in the sink, and I just walk by, and I have the prompting, do the dishes, and I ignore it. I just play the role of a fool. It can be as simple as that. Now, does that mean every time I stop and do the dishes? No, it doesn't. Even though I'm a little OCD, I'd like to do that because I've got other things to do. But uh, the idea of when the Spirit prompts us to do something, and we've got a growing, deepening relationship with God, we're listening, we're the sheep that hear the shepherd's voice, 
then we respond. But when we don't, we play the part of the fool. So also when it comes to this idea, we, we, just, we just can't ignore it either. We can't ignore when someone says something. We've got to look, and at the same time, you're saying, you're saying two different things, Dave. In some ways, yes, but some ways, no. There's usually a grain of truth in it. So we need to make sure. We just can't be such a, a force and ignore everything somebody's saying to us. If a few people say the same thing, we need to stop and listen. If one of our closest friends says something, we need to stop and listen. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. The, gate, the men and the leaders of a community that sat at the gate were supposed to be at the supposed to be have wisdom, and you could be at home with them. You could sit with them, and you you'd feel pretty comfortable. Yes, you you might be in this mentoring thing, but you'd feel comfortable with them. Because you knew if all of a sudden your life started to be talked about, you would feel okay because you were at home with the wise. Your actions showed your wisdom with them. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So trying to find the grain of truth. I one time had an employer who loved to tear everybody down. So what was the natural reaction when he was tearing somebody down or tearing me down? To blow them off. And he would do it in inappropriate ways, unkind ways. Just, just you know, no, you know, I only lasted working for him. I quit after four months or something. I just, he was just horrible. And I found out the person who had my role actually quit. There were so many that had my role that sometimes they would go on their day off and just never come back. <laughs> and this was, you know, when people weren't doing that all the time like today. But uh, anyway, that's a story. This is, this is in the olden days, 35 years ago. But, uh, you, you know, um, just horrible. You know, that, that's what we're talking about. But every once in a while, there was a grain of truth in what he was saying. And I had to come to terms with sorting through all the garbage and saying, you know, that little comment was correct. I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let all the garbage cause the truth to be missed. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm not going to do that. And, and I, I tell you, that takes a lot of Holy Spirit in your heart takes a lot of maturity. I don't always have it, but I try and try and try because usually there was something when this guy would say something, there was an ounce of truth in it. So not rejecting that, not ignoring that. If you listen, again, you need to look at the motive of the person. There are people in my life that uh, I know to have no, the only agenda they have is they want me to be the best I can be. You know, it's funny, someone was talking to me about the other day about ordination. You know, when you get ordained, I don't know if you've ever seen this happen. You write your ordination statement, which is, you know, your beliefs, all your doctrine, all your theology stuff, and then you send it out to a group of pastors, and they read it, and then you meet with them in a room like this. Uh, I, I think mine, uh, you know, had 30 or 40 people at it, and they ask you questions. 
and some of the questions that they would ask, yes, I were to put you on the spot, uh, but I can remember the guy who was kind of the moderator a few times would say, we're not here to teach the candidate. We're here to hear what he believes. Because there were folks that would like to stand up. Again, it's hard to believe because he's a pastor. They just like to get up and pontificate. And that was blah, blah, blah. You know, they found some new theory, some new fact, and they would quote all this stuff. Or, or they memorized, you know, some chapter of the Bible, and then they would be, like, reciting it like you should know what they know. And, and I'm like, that guy's been their pastor for, like, 40 years. I'm, like, just starting out. Why would I know what he knows? So, so looking at their motives. My dad, even though he's older, he's probably watching, my buddy Ruben, another pastor, my five-year-old from five years old, yeah, my five-year-old accountability card, or no, my five-year-old uh, friend Dave Wobbly, uh, Ryan Bankson, associate pastor when I was a pastor, and then some of the men in this room. Uh, I, when I know their motives, it's to make me better, and it's easier not to ignore it. But that doesn't mean I should ignore it either. But that, that helps. So people that want to see you succeed. Uh, when they can offer help, that's a no-brainer. So their motive, they actually have something helpful to say. And the truth. Um, you know, uh, it, that it's accurate. Some of my uh, closest friends sometimes are not, not accurate. Uh, they, don't, they don't see the full picture, and they do miss something. And I have to be honest with myself, honest with them. Yeah, you know, th this is this this is big boy stuff. This this you have to you have to really wade into it, especially on some of the deep issues, and go, what is the truth here? Because there's so many slants to things, there's so many perspectives to things, and you can get you can get just just nipped at your heel by stuff that uh, just shouldn't be getting you down. And of course, when I think of that, I think of this guy. How is it possible it keeps getting better even after all these years? You know, that's an unfortunate mindset you got there. Tom Brady. Just because something's great year after year doesn't mean anything's going on. Why can't some things just be great? Just a question. It starts with questions, and then questions turn into assumptions, and then assumptions turn into vacations. So why would you punish the week of greatness for something that never even happened? Interesting. That idea that when someone is doing well, people come out of the woodwork and just nip, 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 nip. You gotta be able to identify that. You gotta see where the truth really is. So, how do we be present with shortcomers that are finding shortcoming finders? They're just they're just looking for it. I think first we need to pray. Help me to know how to respond to a shortcoming finder. How do we respond? Not react. May have to bite your tongue, but how do you respond? How do you follow that? How do you how do you how do you look for that truth? And a lot of times it takes prayer. A gentle answer makes anger disappear, but a rough approach makes it grow. There were some times where I was in some uh, just heated conversations. Can't say with with who really but uh and and they were just they were just firing 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 and i felt i i needed to be respectful to them responsive to them 
and and they, from my perspective, and I'm sure Joe Astori would agree with me because I've shared some stories. I look right, but anyway, but uh, you know, if I share the story with, I, I just kept coming back. I'm confused. Help me understand. And I wasn't just. I, I was trying to figure out where they were coming from. I was giving them a gentle answer, and eventually, it started to dissipate. But if I had been as fiery back and forth, or not even, because I usually don't raise my voice, but if I had just been as as firm and direct and uh, uh, just no grace, just just truth bloom out of the water, it, it just wouldn't have gone anywhere, and they would have gotten madder and probably hung up on me. But um, but you know, when a gentle answer, it starts to dissipate. But a rough answer makes it grow. I mean, this stuff isn't rocket science. But how many times in the last week you were tired, you were full, you got burned grabbing something out of the oven, and then all of a sudden somebody's there with a question that's, and you're like, nah, 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 nah. You, you know, you know, and then all of a sudden that it goes back and forth and it just grows. Gentle answer. But when someone finds shortcomings, having a gentle answer, not running from it, not fighting. Because when we don't, we let the devil get a foothold. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And, and that's just a little toehold. When that says foothold, it's just like a little edge. You ever been rock climbing or ever done those like fake rocks in a wall and you, you know, you're, you're just looking for just a little edge. Um, I'm looking for a little edge more for my feet, so because my obviously my legs work better than pulling me up like that. But um, you know, just a little toehold, and you can make your way. Anger, working out, being that shortcoming finder, or responding negative, reacting, gives the devil a toehold in your life. And I don't know about you, but I don't need to give him any more opportunities. I I have enough just within myself. I don't need his focus to give uh, just difficulties. I, I don't need that. I don't think you need that either. Now, when you're working with this, this, this is a hard concept for me to get my mind around. You might not necessarily think a person's presence is a present, but God's presence can make it one. So you're in a situation, God's present in your life, in your heart, and all of a sudden, what this person's saying, what they're pointing out, all of a sudden becomes a present because it warns you about a misstep. That, that's a good thing. And God's presence can help you find that. When someone points something out, and, and I realize I'm about to take a misstep, even if it's somebody that uh, just, it's just not smooth relationship all the time, I try to lean into God. This is all happening in my heart, all happening in my soul. I'm going, Lord, help me listen. Help me, help me hear what the person's saying. Help me not to say anything. And his presence all of a sudden can become a, a present because of God giving my uh, heart that's receptive to something that, that the other person's saying. And sometimes it's their, their intent isn't even a good intent, but most of the time it is. And, and, and you can hear it, and you can go, what do I do with this? And can that be a present? If we just had affirmation, we would be in trouble. Help me to know when to dismiss a shortcoming finder. Uh, some of us have those people in our lives, and they're just, it's, everything is negative. Everything's a conspiracy. There's a couple folks in my life that, uh, you know, just, just drain you and 
you naively, when you first get to know this person, you try to counter some of the things they say. Not just kind of like, have you ever, you know, you know, it's not raining out today. Well, it might be raining. Yeah, just, you know, pause it. it. You know, don't respond. Don't get drawn into the stupidity of a fool. You'll only look foolish yourself. There's some arguments that just, just don't need to happen. Now, there's some conversations that do need to happen. So you can't just take this and say, anytime someone says something, I'm not getting into it. But just, just check that. Pray. Help me to know when to dismiss and, not, and when not to do that. Uh, Jesus was excellent at doing that. He did nothing wrong, and yet he didn't get sucked into it. Not once said anything amiss. They called him every name in the book, and he said nothing bad. He suffered in silence, content to let God set things right. Sometimes you and I need to stop and let God set things right. We also have to realize that uh, sometimes when we're involved with seeing people's shortcomings, we have to realize that finding the shortcomings of others often reveals our own issues. It's easy to see something in somebody else because it's in us. That's a tool. We need to be aware of that. I would be hard on my kids when I would see a hint of something that went awry in my life. And there was a couple times I had to apologize and say, you know why I'm so firm against even looking in that direction, thinking about that? It's because when I looked in that direction, when I did those things, it was a disaster for me. And so that's a warning. And sometimes it was just a weakness in me. They can go down that road, and it's not a weakness from them. So I have to realize that sometimes my issues or my finding shortcomings is the issues in my own life. This is what happened in the situation with David. Remember when we talked about this recently about David going to the battle and one of his brothers points out that he's there just to see the blood and gore. You just want to come down here to watch the battle. Where did he get that idea from? I think it's because the older brother would have been there to watch the battle. David was there because his father told him to go. Different, different scenario. Filling in the blanks. Oh, they're doing this because of this. Well, yeah, that's what you would do, but they're not doing this. You ever been in a relationship? Get this, you know, you had a dating relationship and it wasn't really great. And then the new person starts kind of doing a little bit of the same thing. And you're like, oh, I know what's coming next. And it, it, it's not coming. You're, you're remembering girlfriend, boyfriend from before. You're remembering reaction before. You're, you're, you're not realizing someone's changing. So, again, what's going on in you? Realize that. Pray to help me overcome my own shortcoming finder nature. I need to stay away from it. I need to not be nitpicky at people. I need to make sure if I, sometimes when I'm in doing some kind of counseling and a person has like a list of like 100,000 things, and then they did this, and then they did this, and I have an issue with this. And I'm like, man, that person's really bad. Maybe, I wonder what their list looks like. Their list is 200,000 things. So, you know, I, I say take the top three. Take the top three. And remember, some of the ones will filter into the others. Don't drop 15 things, 10 things, three workable things that would make progress that, that, that bother you. And the other person's going to have their three things, and we'll see what we can do about it. But help me come over. Not everything Sometimes when we're visiting other churches, I have to really um, 
psych myself up not to come in and sit and just pick everything apart. Oh, they did this. Oh, they used this translation. They didn't do this. Oh, that wasn't very friendly to somebody who doesn't know Christ. And Victor just is, you know, going back and forth. And I'm like, I need to shut that off. If even a phrase from God's word is being spoken, there's something in there for me. God has, it's interesting, this morning, one place and another place, some of the, two of the same passages we were talking about this morning came up from different sources, which kind of just gave me a little push to go, yeah, Dave, I, I do want you to talk about this again. It's amazing how that happens. But again, uh, just, just this idea of, of just listening and being ready and overcoming that and not being that. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly smear on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? And obviously this is all governed by how much love of Jesus is in our hearts. Back to 1 Peter says, most important of all, love each other deeply because love makes you willing to forgive many sins. Some versions say overlook sin. Really, if you're going to overlook a sin, you need to forgive a sin. And you just need to let it go. If you're going to have real relationships, authentic community, we need to be close enough that people see us for who we really are. People will help us grow and will help them grow. And some of those little things that bug us, that border on being sin, there are times that we just need to let it go, forgive it, and let it go. Because shortcomings don't have to result in us falling short in our relationship with God and others. When all we see is shortcomings in every other people, there's no love there. It affects our relationship with God. It doesn't need to be that. When we just ignore shortcomings in our own life and the things people want to speak to us, it affects our relationship with God and others. So we're getting into the Christmas season. We're going to be mixing it up with more people. We're going to be at parties. We're going to be like, ooh, I need to stay away from that person. And maybe you do, or maybe you don't. Authentic, authentic relationships is key. So we have a lot to thank God for as we move into the new season. We continue to focus on the coming of Christ and the difference that that makes in practical, everyday life. It's just not a nice story. It's a life-changing story when we embrace it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. Lord, I, I just ask for someone who's really feeling beat up by somebody, maybe even after Thanksgiving dinner, I just ask that you would release them from the pain of someone who is just on their case, nipping at everything, nothing good to say. And then for those of us who uh, have had some people say some things that were maybe hard to swallow, may we get to the place where we see the truth in that. And may we also be a people that demonstrate love through saying something, yes, but knowing when to keep our mouth shut. We're happy that we don't do that on our own, that your spirit guides us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Thanksgiving is over. On to Christmas, or is it? We should never stop being thankful with a grateful heart.
So why don't you just please stand and sing with us. Give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son, give thanks with a grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ, His Son. Jesus Christ, His Son. 